Where do you see pit insurance sitting within the context of we've talked it we've talked about multicultural sort of communities, communities with English as a second language, disadvantaged communities, sort of remote Indigenous communities, even LGBTIQA communities where sort of uh, where oftentimes there's issues with um, employability, sort of uh, particularly for um, uh, certain elements of that LGBTIQA uh, sort of spectrum. How does pet insurance fit within the context of this these communities often have limited incomes. They often sort of uh, have limited resources, sort of when it comes down to it, and, and sort of and sometimes different perceptions on how animals sort of uh, are fit and how they uh, how they should be treated and, and cared for and stuff like that. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, look, you know, it's it's interesting because um, obviously pet insurance. Well, I guess it costs money. You know, that is a challenge for. For those populations in areas where there is low socioeconomic and I guess um, the people in the low socioeconomic areas you know they're probably not going to have pet insurance just probably like they're not going to have their own home insurance or you know things like that and I you know I believe that um, that animals play such an important role in society that there has to be some form of community programs or hospitals that look after people who have pets, where we know pets are so important to mental health and to, to lots of other, other things and disadvantaged pe- um, people, that there has to be a community way of assisting people rather than that, you know, being put on to private veterinary hospitals. So, you know, the RSPCA is tasked with looking after, you know, animals that are the subject of cruelty cases and surrendered animals, but there's not really, I guess, Say, for example, there's not really a fund or an organisation that looks after people with no money with their pets or very limited funds. And I think, Kate, that's probably something, you know, before I retire, I've always said I'd love to be able to lobby for some government funding so we can at least have a place where people can go where it is community funded. Um, Just like a lot of things are community funded, and I do believe that having pets is important to people and as more and more people start living alone, that, you know, their ability to, um, you know, derive fulfilment and joy from their pets is even more important. Um, and I think social isolation can happen, you know, in big cities. And so I feel like, um, you know, for mental health and for people's overall well-being, animals are important. And how we fund those clients that don't have that money should never fall on a private clinic um, it should really fall on our community to help. And I think that's a really big issue that we need to solve in our profession. Yeah. I actually, um, I worked in the UK for a year and one of the clinics that I locumed at over there was a uh, PDSA clinic. So um, people's yeah. dispensary for sick animals. Um, and that was a real eye-opener for me the, as a sort of way to to support people from lower socioeconomic um, situations who, yeah, may not have been able to, to afford that. And obviously it doesn't, doesn't fix everything. It was pretty limited in what was covered, um, very basic consults. Um, I think it was sort of covering very basic meds, um, sort of the most basic of, of antibiotics and, and pain relief, maybe desexing. So I worked there and also in a, in a, RSPCA clinic over there. So a few different approaches. Um, and that was really interesting for me to, to learn about those different ways of, of doing things um, to support people from lower socioeconomic 
situations. So yeah, it's seems like there's there's a few approaches, but probably haven't haven't found the perfect one just yet. But maybe a multifactorial approach. I I, I know what you mm-hmm. mean, Cam. Like there's the PDSA. I know there's a number of community uh, sort of funded veterinary hospitals in the US in particular where yeah. it's sort of fair where they're mm. community funded and they provide sort of uh, veterinary services to people who can't afford them but I, I sort of uh, I wonder if a like a multi-fact like a multi-pronged approach might actually be the way I, I love the idea Mags of a like you say like a government funded sort of uh, kind of similar maybe along the styles, styles lines of an AMRIC sort of style sort of thing where you sort of where you have some government funding coming in and sort of uh, that can actually penetrate those sort of communities and get into them and and be able to provide those services because it is such a huge uh, benefit. Pet health is such a huge benefit to overall community health. And And I think just exclusively saying it's the province of people who have the socioeconomic privilege to actually to be able to sort of to to do that. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't quite, uh, I have concerns about that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, often people say, well, if you don't have money, you shouldn't have a pet. But I guess, um, you know, for me, it's about the people that actually benefit the most from having a pet are the disadvantaged and the people potentially with no money, don't have connections, um, and their pet is everything to them, you know, the elderly. That's why I loved our community programs, like our Pets of Older Persons programs. I, I remember clients who you know, did have family and they were estranged. And um, so we were the only people that these people actually had any contact with. Um, and we'd go into their homes and we'd help them with their pet. And it might be just be grooming them or trimming their nails, um, dropping them off at the vet to, um, you know, have a procedure done, whatever. But it's interesting that in our society, you know, I don't, we don't value old people and they've just got, they're just, they've got so much wisdom and yet, you know, they've even got family or friends who just will not assist them and they're there for them when they die and, you know, read out the will, but they're not there for them. And I think, you know, it's it's sad and it's a reflection, a, a sad reflection on our society when that happens. And so those programs are so important because, um, you know, those, a lot of those people didn't have a lot of disposable income as well. So helping them meant that we actually, you know, made sure that, they were able to access care. And I think access to care is a big issue um, in many disadvantaged communities. 